The Tome of Monsters Podcast. Alright, welcome everybody to another chapter of the Tome of Monsters Podcast. I am your host, Moses Soria. I'm Luis. And I'm Fernando. And today we're going to be talking about Xenobites. Xenobites? I still don't know how to pronounce it. It's been pronounced different ways. But that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about the backstory, about the Xenobites. If you guys don't know, we're talking about the Hellraiser series or the prota- the antagonists, protagonists, antagonists, antagonists, antiheroes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Lore, backstory, all, all of that good stuff. And we're even going to be talking about the, the newest addition to the Hellraiser um, franchise, which uh, has a lot of garbage. <laughs> it has a lot of garbage. Outside of the first two, you don't need to watch the other ones. Depends. Depends. Depends on if you want backstory on certain characters or whatever. Or if you want to see them in space. (laughs) So, Hellraiser is a horror media franchise that consists of 11 movies. It's 11 movies, bro. Is there... And we talk... And people talk shit about the Fast and the Furious movies? (laughs) Wait, how, how many is that up to right now? They're going to 10. They're going to 10? Okay. Yeah, and each one has made more money. This is the complete opposite of Hellraiser. <laughs> the Fast and the Furious movies, they make more money each movie. Yeah. The Hellraiser made less money <laughs> each movie There's, there's no, each movie had less money to make. There's no straight-to-DVD uh, Fast and Furious movies. So. There isn't. There, there, there isn't. No. There isn't. Like, outside of the what? First two Hellraiser movies? The rest went straight-to-DVD? No, I think... Uh, I want to say probably like the first, uh, maybe six, five, six. Really? I think, I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm pulling the number out of my ass. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 11 movies, okay. two novels, and a comic book series. Mm-hmm. The comic book series is really fascinating to me. I was uh, I was reading some online, and they, and I love Aztecs, I, and, and, it, and, it, and it dives into that, but, you know, but more on that later, you know. All stemming from the Hellbound Heart story written by Clive Barker, who also wrote and directed the first Hellraiser movie, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty like sick little. Because how many, how many writers of books go on to direct like the the film? Yeah, the version of the the film version of their book. Yeah. It's got to be what less than five? I want to say I, I could be wrong. I couldn't think of any. Yeah, I couldn't. That directed that yeah. directed the movie. I'd, if they were involved in it, sure. Involved, like directed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ready player. I'm thinking. No, ready. Yeah, I, I can. I, like, yeah, like Michael Crichton. He was involved as a director, as, as a, a producer, producer right? You know, all that. But he directed. this motherfucker directed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like I said, he was directed, wrote the first Hellraiser movie, whose plot line focuses on a little puzzle box for the criminally horny and feral. <laughs> That serves as a portal to another dimension full of spankings where a demon or angel spits in your mouth during a nice relaxing session of bondage with some really heavy knife play. That's basically the Hellraiser movies. Mm -hmm. Demons to some, angels to others is a very famous, very famous fucking catch line from the movie. That kind of dis- that really describes the Cenobites all in, like to like almost a T. Yeah. So these beings have a name, 
And no, I'm not talking about like Sir, Ma'am, or Daddy. But the names are Cenobites. And am I wrong? But is is the is the newest installment, the one that came out on Hulu, is that the first time we hear the name Cenobite? Um, not sure. Because like like in and the actual movie they say Ceno. Maybe all right. I'm gonna be honest with you. Outside of the first four, I I, I didn't watch the other 97 of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So they might be so so they might have said Cenobite, Cenobite, whatever. But I don't, I don't, I can't remember it. Definitely not in the first two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 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 it's kind of like oh shit. Like when I was watching when we were watching you know the the latest installment, I was like oh they said Cenobite in the movie. That's fucking that's. It's fucking that's the that's, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, he said it, he said it, he said it, he said it. You know, but these Cenobites who deliver an eternity of torture to those to those who go about solving and opening this little puzzle box. And that's where our focus is going to lie on today. No, not the daddy. Well, I mean, we're gonna talk and focus <laughs> on the Cenobites rather than the movie. And to really do that, we kinda have to take it back a few years to nineteen eighty seven. Back to the first Hellraiser movie, where in a combined seven minutes of total screen time, the Cenobites cemented their status as horror movie icons. That's how much screen time they had total in the first movie. In the first movie, seven, seven minutes. minutes, bro. I swear they're in the movie like eighty percent of the movie. <laughs> it's seven. It's mm. just seven fucking. Just seven so I'll minutes. build up to actually seeing them. Okay, okay. And like a bat shat out of hell. Once the movie starts, they are gone, gone almost as fast as they arrived. We get quick flashes of them in, in the beginning. A close up of Deep Throat. More on that later. Pinhead's hands, and he picks up pieces of flesh. A shot of Pinhead himself, and then poof. Sensory overload. Over. That's what. That's what that initial scene is. It's just a bunch of f- images of the Hellraiser just nails you over the head. Just bam, 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 and then it's gone. Nails you over the head. Literally. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> see what I did there. Yeah. And it's like crazy because like I saw Hellraiser a few years ago thanks to Louis over here, right? Yeah. And that's the first thing that caught my attention. I thought the move. I thought literally how I thought Pinhead and Hellraiser were going to be like another Freddy Krueger, another you know like Jason Voorhees. You're just a standard, but right off the bat, you're just like, what the, f- the fuck is going on? The second the movie starts, you're just bombarded with gore and these images of these Cenobites that you just immediately start asking a fucking million questions. And it's not until later in the movie when we finally see the Cenobites in all of their foul glory that we begin to realize, oh, this is fucking different. This is just this weird behemoth of a psychopath in a mask who had been dropped on his head a few too many times. This was 100% new to the horror genre. Sure, 1984's Dune had these weirdos dressed in long leather robes. They were also bald and had sores and scars all over them. Even the bald witches give off female Cenobite vibes. Even though the Cenobites, if their look was influenced by Dune, took the inspiration and ran straight to hell with it. Because the first time I saw Pinhead, the first time I see these Cenobites, there's no point of reference for me. I'm not like, oh, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, oh, this is completely fucking new. Like, there's point of references for almost everybody. That's how it was with Freddy, too. Freddy's one of those characters, too, where I'm like, oh, this is new to me. First time okay. I saw the Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm like, oh, I've never seen this before. Like, there's no point of reference from, so I'm, I'm just immediately intrigued. I'm like, oh, okay, you got my undivided attention. Is that how you guys is that how you guys felt the first time you guys saw the Cenobites? Were you just like, oh, this is kind of weird? Like, like in that good, like, oh, shit. Uh-huh. Well, I think I speak for a lot of people who were, like, 80s kids or whatever, but, like, that VHS cover of the first Hellraiser yeah. was just Pinhead. And I, what is, is he holding the, the puzzle box? Yeah, it's... I don't remember if he's holding it. Yes, that one. Like, that's so iconic. And just seeing that, like, I wanted to watch the movie just based on that image alone. I was the complete opposite. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, let me go the aisle. Let, <laughs> yeah. me, let me go over here. <laughs> Where is Banjo-Kazooie again? Walking through Blockbuster? I'm like, just turn, just, just, just turn the other way. Just turn the other way. Like, I would always avoid the horror movie section. Like, uh-huh. when, like... In comic books, in like comic book stores, in, <laughs> stores. yeah. When I used to go rent movies, that you know, it was just like porn and horror. <laughs> it, it was in the same section. The two sections the, you don't want to go down. behind the beaded, beaded wall of of curio- a morbid curiosity. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, why are you going in there? He's like, Shut up! <laughs> go get, go rent your fucking game. I'm like, Yes, sir. The two sections I frequently visited: the wrestling section and the horror section. <laughs> wrestling and horror. That's it. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but is, is that how you were too? Like the first time? Do you remember the first time you saw Hellraiser? Um, initially, yeah, well, yeah, it, it did. Like as far as like the whole kind of leather demon thing, like peeing pill and like the, the leather, kind of like, reminded me of like shit. I don't know. Like it's I never really watched it. I would say till like the last uh, five years when I first saw it initially. But like, it's not something like I saw it. Like I never really went in to watch it until like just re- like I said five years ago but so both of you watched it pretty recently yeah. then okay so yeah, yeah. The, do you remember how old were you when you watched it I don't know like 16 17 oh, I, so wasn't that, I wasn't that young no oh so you didn't watch it like no not as a kid no I just remember the the okay. movie cover with with Pinhead on it alright so you obviously you guys can't see this but you know Louis Louis is pointing to um the uh, one of my point of references for today's episode. It's called the Hellraiser Films and Their Legacy by Paul Kane, and the cover is literally the cover the BHS cover from you know from the original Hellraiser movie. <clears throat> if you guys want to learn more about Hellraiser and like its lore and stuff, please pick up this book. You guys could find you know I'll post a link on the episode show notes if you guys you know, want to buy it. It's like a thirty dollar book. It's fucking fantastic it's it's a really good book yeah but like i said you know the inspiration from you know the 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 characters from dune they kind of do give like you kind of see the like 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 the resemblance but i think that's where it ends and like like there's a there is a like direct line of influence in clive barker's life that you could trace back to like oh this is this is where the this is where the inspiration for the cenobite you know fucking starts sp- yeah it's you know it's spawned Friday. from you know so clive barker when he first went down to london he found himself working a couple of centerfolds for some snm magazines that's clive barker as fuck for you <laughs> you know which were eventually burned because of the content by the scotland yard which gave barker an even bigger boner he's like so he went over to london 
you know, photographed, did a bunch of things for this SNM magazine. And then when the, when the magazine came out, the police grabbed all the magazines and burned them. And Kai Barker took that as a, like, oh, shit, like, I'm doing something bad. Sick. <laughs> He's like, nice. Like, he didn't take an offense to it. He's like, oh, all right, I'm grossing people out, which is eventually what he ended up becoming fucking infamous for. Yeah. You know, with all his fucking stories. So his interest in the taboo parts of our society have really impacted his art and really shows with the Cenobites as you can trace the line of origin to this very incident. So Barker had initial sketches he'd come up with to help everyone at the studio visualize what he wanted, which was this look of a modern primitive, but perversely styled with clothes that intermingled with the wounds they had inflicted on themselves, said Barker. So even from the get-go, he already had this image of like these beings butchered, but like they're looking like yeah, they're gross, but they're like fly. <laughs> like make them stylish. <laughs> like they are gory as fuck. You know, but you know, but you know, have them looking fit. Yeah, you, they could definitely uh, walk a runway somewhere in Paris, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that, that. That's a Met Gala look. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a Met Gala look. He invented the Met Gala look, basically. So here's the actual description of the Cenobite from the story Hellbound Heart. Why then was he so distressed to set eyes upon them? Was it the scars that covered every inch of their bodies? The flesh, cosmetically punctured and sliced and infibulated, then dusted down with ash? Was it the smell of vanilla they brought with them? The sweetness of which did little to disguise the stench beneath? Or was it that as the light grew and he scanned them more closely, he saw nothing of joy? or humanity in their maimed faces. Only desperation and an appetite that made his bowels ache to be voided. So even like from the get-go, you're just like, I don't, what, I don't, I, I, I don't even know what, to, I can't, what are, what are you talking about? Like, it's such a weird, like, I literally have, Bef- there's no point of reference for me for this. So when he's describing this to me, I'm like, I, I can't, hard to fa- yeah, I can't head. fathom this. You know, like, and I've never had that, like, mental block. Like, for as far as I can, like, you know, I'm reading Lovecraft. He mentions Cthulhu. All right, I, all right, Cthulhu, whatever, dragons, octopus head. All right, cool, whatever. And then he mentions, you know, like fucking. The, in the hound he mentions like this morbid like room like this room of morbid curiosities and he describes like little thing I'm like alright I could picture everything uh, at the mountains of madness I could picture all of I could picture the weird the we, the weird angles and the upside and I, I, I'm like alright I could see that but when I was reading the hellbound heart because that's where I first saw that's where I first heard of Clive learned of Clive Barker I read Clive Barker before I saw Clive Barker. So even reading it, I was like, I can't, like, I cannot compute this. Like, I have literally, I have no point of reference for any of this. Because, like, I'm not too big on, on, on body horror or, like, gore. That's not my thing. My thing is more like Victorian gothic horror. Like, you know, like, Crimson Peak and, like, fucking Interview with the Vampire. That's my, like, that's my shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. body horror and gore is not really my thing. So, when he's talking about these mutilations, I was like, what the... I cannot... Like, I, I'm 
not computing. Like it's it's not hit me right. So if it wasn't for the movies, would you still be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Oh yes, for the longest time, or not for the longest time, maybe just for for when I read the book. Yeah, I just picked them like this weird mass of skin that's like just mutilated. Uh-huh. Okay, I didn't picture you know fucking goddamn fucking the Matrix, <laughs> you know, like the, these leather clad. <laughs> fucking scarred I did not picture that I just I had like it sounds weird but I was like this and I'm gonna keep saying it there's, there's no point of reference in my head for any of this so it was like weird it was a weird read for me and I read that maybe when I was 20 21 okay. around there yeah I was just I was just like I, I don't know and then and then I saw and then um the first movie I ever saw of Clive was the meat train Ooh. Midnight Meat Train? Yeah, the Midnight Meat Train. That was okay. the first movie ever. That one's good. I liked it. I love I loved it a lot. That's a very Lovecraftian that's a very Lovecraftian movie. It's very hard. It, there's a lot of gore, but at the end you're just like, Oh, what are these elder things? <laughs> it's like, yes, please. Like yeah. it had like this weird cosmic horror element to it, which caught me by left field. It caught me off guard. I was like, holy shit. But and that's as gory as as I as as I've gotten. And that movie's pretty fucking gory. You know what? When you said Matrix, I kind of described it pretty perfectly. When you like the way they look, that's very fucking Matrix. That's, that's Neo. That's fucking like the whole t- skin tight leather kind of shit. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, but like that's only because of the movie. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And even then. My point of reference is the Matrix came yeah. comes at, it comes like twenty years after the Hellraiser. When did the Matrix come out? Night two thousand? Like yeah, like ninety nine, yeah. two thousand. All right, Hellraiser. All right, fifteen years. Hellraiser came out eighty four. Mm. So my point of reference came out after the fucking movie. Like you know, so it's just like I don't know. It's just, that's what made them. That's what makes them so unique. You know, but you know, we're gonna more just more <laughs> on that later. Shut up. More Shut on that up. later. Shut up, guys. You know, so when it came to finally fleshing out and bringing to life. His angels of the macabre. He gave the movie co- he he gave the movie's costume designers an indication to the direction he wanted them to go in. First, being that there had to be areas of flesh revealed through their clothing to show that there is some sort of torture going on, or to show the scars of torture being had. And secondly, he just said two words. And when I read this, I was like, duh. He just said, "Repulsive glamour." <laughs> that that pretty that's much describes. That's, yeah. I was like, "Holy that's shit!" Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Those are the those are the exact words he used to describe the fact that he wanted some butchery being involved. That this should be magnificent super butchers." He's yeah. like, "Just give me some super butchers, just repulsive glamour." I was like, "Fuck!" Like, if you know Clive Barker. You know that that little fl- that little phrase, repulsive glamour, is a perfect description of him and the work he does, dealing in the beauty of the macabre and the attraction we, as the observers, have to his unique images, his words paint. So there's a quote that I find funny because of how fucked up, but on point it is when it comes to dealing with today's topic. And he says, Clive Barker goes on to say this. I certainly get a lot of letters from people who think that Pinhead, for all his strange uniqueness, is sexy. 
mm-hmm. and endearing. When I when I, I was, when I read, I was like, "Who the fuck is watching Hellraiser?" And immediately thinks, "You know what? I'm gonna rub one out." <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, "Who's who's who's doing this?" I mean, Penhead is a leather daddy, though, so like, you know, kind of makes sense. In a world where there was a time where everyone, when when everyone wanted to fuck Venom and Pennywise, I was like, "All right, I'm not surprised." Like, you know, like when. Venom first came out. My Twitter was blowing up with everybody's like, "Oh, what that? Uh, all these girls going <laughs> wet." Over, like, "Oh, I wonder what that tongue does." La la la. And then fucking Pennywise comes out. The, 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 the it remakes, and then everyone got wet over Pennywise. <laughs> I didn't get that one at all. It's just because he was tall. Oh, he was tall, which is why a lot of which I'm assuming why Dead by Daylight. You guys know that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like ninety percent of the fucking people playing are girls. What? Everybody I know that all oh, that plays Dead by Daylight, they're all girls. But what, like, what's the what's, what's the, the creature or whatever? They all of them. They all want. They want to fuck every single one of those <laughs> monsters, from fucking Jason to Ghostface. Oh, okay, okay. Like, I guess they like like they die on purpose. Like, oh yeah, let me get choked. <laughs> like, I mean, rather than I'm, that, than chasing inmates or something, you know. I, to each their own. But seriously, I was like. What sick fuck pauses Hellraiser's like, yep, I'm gonna rub one out. <laughs> but it's you know, but it's like I think I, I think that this is why Hellraiser has endured for as long as it has. Because Pinhead has become the embodiment for this type of thinking. Where you see these strange disfigurements and you don't think they're gross or repulsive. Plus, it also doesn't hurt that they look cool as fuck. Because let's face it, the horror genre, the horror genre as a whole is built on the foundation of aesthetic yep. or iconography. You know what I mean? Like, we love vampires not because they suck blood and are immortal. Because they look fucking cool in their capes and their fangs. You know, everyone is wet over Ghostface because of the mask. And you can kind of go down the list of all these horror titans. And you realize how aesthetically superior they are for the most part. Time out, though. Just talking about it right now. I'm, I'm like picturing it in my head. How many of these icons of horror... Are fuckable. <laughs> like Leatherface is a pudgy dude in like a butcher apron, and that's, a, that's and a dead skin mask. Okay, would you fuck that guy? That guy? Probably not. Me personally, <laughs> no. no, no. Okay, no. Jason Voorhees, like a, he was like a deformed child who is now like a zombie killer guy, but he's like six four. He's, <laughs> but still, you don't six, as long four. as he doesn't take his he's mask tall. off. You don't see people like lusting over him. You don't? I don't. Personally, I don't. Maybe I'm on the wrong side of Twitter. You're on the right side of Twitter. <laughs> I want I want I want I want your goddamn timeline. Even Michael Myers who's like a tall dude, pretty normal from, you know, what you can tell cuz you can't really see him without his mask that much there that often. But he just has like a like the mechanics coveralls and whatever. But like you look at you look at Pinhead, you want to fuck that guy. Out of those if you had all those guys in a lineup, who you fucking? The only re 
I, I think the only reason you want to fuck Pinhead uh-huh. is after you hear him talk. <laughs> I didn't even bring that up, bro. After, like, you see him, you're like, you know what? I don't know. And then you hear him talking, and you can bullshit yourself. You're like, he has a nice personality. <laughs> that accent. Yeah, it's that English accent. That, that English accent doesn't the accent fucking and the tone of wor- The tone of choices of wor- the words he uses are... I'm going to talk... Yeah. That, he's a fucking poet. Yeah. This goddamn fuck machine. <laughs> <laughs> he could have... Out of everything he could have been, he decided to be a fucking interdimensional fucking what do you um you said he's a master or whatever no I was gonna say um what is it the dudes in porn who warm up the fluffer, the fluffer. <laughs> yeah this interdimensional fluffer <laughs> you know he, you know but like all these all these like every huge horror movie icon whatever is they just they all look name me one that does not that is Name me something that's big and hard that does not look cool. There are things that aren't cool that like, they kind of suck, but they kind but because they look cool, you kind of like give them a pass. Like for me, that's terrifier. Yeah, what? That's what? Terrifier. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like you said tire fire. That's how I was like. Oh what? no, no, it's terrifier. He looks cool as shit, but you're just like, oh, I've seen this before. Like, yeah. it's, like it's, it's just, just a clown. Yeah, yeah, like, and and he's not even the best clown. No, you know. It's like I might get canceled for this. <laughs> say, say, please say it. I'm gonna say, <laughs> say it, please. Freddy Krueger looks lame. Like if it wasn't for the fucking like Door? the glove with knives on it, like he's wearing like a Christmas sweater. It looks like a Christmas sweater. <laughs> like uh, khaki slacks, a fedora. But like if it wasn't for but if it wasn't for the actor playing the character, yeah, the, the but actual. I, but I could tell you this because I could, I could. I could comment on this firsthand. Uh-huh. He's funny. He is. Funny. Oh, he's funny. Yeah, he is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's funny. Yeah, he's funny. Like, that, he's that goes a long way. Oh my <laughs> personality, bro. <laughs> person, I'm telling you, I'm telling. You, funny, bro. Funny. You know, but like, I'm, there is, like every every cool horror movie, everything that's huge in the horror genre looks cool as shit. And the Hellraisers, not only do they look cool as fuck, they are the only. They are. A thing unto themselves that like you can't compare them to anything else. Like maybe the Matrix, but even then they came before the Matrix. Yeah. Like what? Just because they're like in black leather, like that's the only reason. If that's the case, fucking they, they're, they're Judas Priest too. <laughs> you know what I mean? The one thing that reminds me of uh, the Cenobites, uh, Cabin in the Woods. That that one creature that's in leather that has a fucking like. Saw blade through his head. Oh yeah, that like, was that's a, like an homage to. The yeah, that was an homage that was to. Fucking, yeah, because they couldn't Kenner. use any of these um, no. IP, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it on Saturday. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Dude, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But I remember the first time I saw it, I fucking loved the shit out of it. But, you know, back to Hellraiser. <laughs> back to Hellraiser. And a big part of Hellraiser's stardom is Pinhead. Mm-hmm. And for as much as he is lauded for looking cool. You cannot say this about anybody else. He sounds even cooler, bro. And that is a thousand percent all thanks to Doug Bradley, the actor that made Pinhead the macabre daddy that he is. Outside of maybe it's him, it's Pinhead and Jason. I mean, um, Freddy. Freddy. Those those are the only two that you're like, 
whose voice is almost, whose voice is as, as as iconic as they are. Mm-hmm. Like you don't like, and not just because they're not just because they're recognizable, but just because they are a huge part of that role. I would I would throw in Chucky in there as well. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right, Chucky. All right, that laugh. So like, <laughs> Doug Doug Bradley, personally, should be heralded and mentioned in the same breath as Bella Lugosi. Where they brought so much more to the character that they molded the character into this momentous villain that will live forever. Like, he's not the first macabre, like, destroyer that inflicts pain. Better Lugosi was not the first vampire. Well, technically, he was the first vampire on film. So that's probably why he gets a lot of credit. But, but that's not, but my point is, <laughs> they are iconic. Doug Bradley should get as much, should get more love than he already gets. He's famous as fuck. Not only like, I just want Doug. I just want more Doug Bradley in my life. That's all. Like, one of my favorite albums of all time is Credit of Filths. Um, Godspeed on Devil's Thunder, and Doug Bradley narrates the fuck out of that album. And not only does Doug Bradley narrate the fuck out of that album, he narrates that album as Gil DeRay. Oh shit. He's Gil DeRay. That album is about Gil DeRay, and he narrates the album as Gil DeRay. Like, holy, name an album that is more me than that one. <laughs> that is more. All I needed was like some Lovecraft uh, references in that album. It's well, fucking go back to, like an album and fucking. Oh. Greater <laughs> Phil has a whole HP Love have a whole Lovecraft fucking EP. Yeah, but Doug Bradley he made Pinhead this poet, this poetic sadomasochistic demon with a love for the English language, like you mentioned a little bit, you know, a little while ago, Fernando. Hmm. A living, walking echo of past poets, which was a huge 180 to the slasher killers of the 80s, which were mostly dominated by the one-liner zingers that Freddy Krueger literally embodied. Like, when he came out, he was a complete 180 or whatever the fuck was going on. Because he came out... When did the Lost Boys come out? Early 80s, right? Lost Boys, I want to say 85? Oh, so he came after. Yeah, but like, I don't think before... Like, how I think Hellraiser... I think Pinhead was like the first, like, stoic... Like... Kind of... Of that, of that 80s generation. Like, that whole wave of, like, horror movies. I think he was like the... First and only, like, stoic one where you, you, know, you buy into it. You're like, oh, like, holy shit. And, like, so, fa- like, famous Hellraiser lore was that for the first movie, Barker kept telling Pin- Barker kept telling Doug Bradley to keep doing less and less during his takes. When he would say a line, he'd be like, less emotion, less emotion, less, less, less. And that's where the emotionless pinhead was born. Like, it came out like it was just like, give me, nope, too much, too much. Give me less, 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 less. Bradley plays Pinhead straight. He's not making jokes or doing ridiculous shit, relatively speaking. Like, he's, he does ridiculous shit because, you know, he's an out, you know, out-of-dimensional fucking demon. But, like, relatively speaking, he's not, like, jumping from wall to wall. No. Like, you don't run away, you know, like, you don't. Leave him behind in a house running, and then you see him in front of you. Pops up, you know, out of the bushes. He's just like this. He's just playing it straight. He's like, he's just, and like that's why I think we 
you know, like we were drawn to him because how out of left field he is or was, like Pinhead always Pinhead always looks like he's supposed to be in another movie. Like when you see him on film in the first movie, he's this strange leather clad demon walking around this 1980s pastel suburbia home. You're like, what the fuck am I watching? Like he's completely out of place, but he's playing that so fucking straight. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And then that confusion amplifies even more when you hear him talk. And I think it's the voice and the way that Doug Bradley decided to play him that made Pinhead what he is. Because to me, the voice is Pinhead. And that was entirely all of Doug's doing. Because in the story, The Hellbound Heart, Pinhead is supposed to sound like Voldemort. This whispering, breathy villain with a light voice. Which kind of is more reminiscent to the newest Pinhead from the Hulu series. Where she talks like she's kind of whispering. But she's kind of, you know, like... She has a light voice. But it was Doug's slow, menacing voice that made me go like... Holy shit, this is fucking cool. And I think without Doug Bradley's performance, we probably wouldn't have Hannibal from Silence of the Lambs. Because out is there outside of those two, is there like a more stoic soup like horror villain? Like I don't know if Hellraiser wouldn't have been as successful. Would they have made that kind of choice for that? For that in that movie, for Silence of the Lambs, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I could just see a correlation between the two, like out, like because like out, like outside of the Hellraiser, there is nothing to draw inspiration from in the horror genre. Or am I wrong? I can't think of anything, but those are the only two like sophisticated British. <laughs> well, I mean, it could also be a British thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna just say I'm giving the credit to Hellraiser. Fuck that. But I don't think this all hits the same without the way they were presented in this mysterious what the fuck way where you you start watching the movie and you're already asking yourself like the first time you see them you're like what the fuck is that and then they start and then you finally see them and you're like what the who the fuck are they and then they start walking around throwing chains and you're like what the fuck are they doing. <laughs> And then you and then they you show this labyrinth and you're like, where the fuck do they come from? These questions keep comparing almost as fast as these fucking Cenobites. You're just like, I don't know what you just like it's just an overload. It's just you're just overloaded with questions and like pictures and you just maybe that's just me. But you know, it's just it's just it was genius. Like I think Alien has that same effect. Because like I said, Hellraiser, the first one, you only see seven minutes total. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what made Alien, the first Alien, that much scarier. Because you don't see the Alien until the, at the very end. It's all you see like, up leading up to it. Like, you, 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 you see, see glimpses. glimpses you, you see yeah. glimpses of it. And that's what's scary. And I think that's what the Hellraiser movie kind of picked up on. And I think that's what made them more... Like the fact that you don't see them. They, they are literally... They eat every scene they are in. But they are very rarely in any scenes at all. So when they do come out at you, you're just like, holy shit. You're just 
kind of wanting more and more and more. But the more you see them, the more confused and the more questions you have. And I think that's just like, it's brilliant. And I think that's what the other Hellraiser movies lose. There's too much. You think there's too much in those Hellraiser movies? Now, that, and I think once they get a backstory. Oh, okay. Once they get that backstory, then you're just like. But see, there's your conundrum because you want to know more because he's just (laughs) teasing you. So they kind of did what you wanted because they gave you more information, but then they gave you too much. I don't know what I want. If I knew what I wanted, <laughs> if I knew what I wanted, I wouldn't. I would be making movies. I wouldn't be watching them. <coughs> you know, and you know, and then we leave the movie with almost all of our questions never being answered. I mean, I guess they, you vaguely get answers here, or there, like maybe for one or two of your questions. But they don't give an ounce of dick when it comes to background information about anything. They don't tell you if they're demons. Are they? F- they say they're from hell, but then then they say they were interdimensional, and then we're beings of pleasure. And then you you just like, dude, what the fuck are you talking? Where are you from? Where are you f- like? You're from hell? Where, where are you? Texas? Like Florida? <laughs> this is Florida, man. Like yeah. <laughs> this is Flo- this is Florida, man. Well, Florida is hell to a lot of people, so it makes sense. And it's. It's, and it's this mystery that makes the Cenobites and, and Pinhead specifically so fucking cool. Eventually, we find out the Cenobites were once human, you know, and all that jazz, whatever. But that isn't to, like, Hellraiser 3 and 4. And until then, we're just as confused as we are aroused. <laughs> you know, but I, I preferred not knowing... Anything about the Cenobites, even though I wanted to know. I prefer not knowing, now that I know. I prefer not knowing and having them be this enigma. These secret outer dimensional butchers. Instead of them trying to force us to have this human connection with them. And giving them like this emotional depth for us to like... like like oh, like oh, maybe they're not so bad. Humanize them a bit. Yeah, like with their bitch ass backstories. <laughs> like Pinhead, he's a bitch ass soldier. Like suck my dick. But my intellectual and scholarly opinions aside, Hellraiser is a movie for those who are not only not afraid of the dark, but find some comfort in it. And the Cenobites are metaphors for our deepest fears. More on that later. But even more importantly, you can make any trauma you're dealing with cool as fuck if you dress it up as leather and just give it a deep British daddy voice. You know I want to hear a conversation between Mr. Freeze from Batman Animated Series and Pinhead. It's a very similar type of character. The whole yeah. low talking, just monotonous. Like, oh, I mean, that was Doug Bradley. Yeah. Not What? Your mind's boom. Yeah. Wait, that wasn't Doug Bradley, was it? Oh, oh, it was. You know which movie I realized I saw for Clive Barker? Rawhead Rex. I heard of that. I one. saw that as a kid. Like, I've never watched Midnight Meat Train, so I was like, when you guys were talking about it, I was like, Oh, you never watched Midnight Meat Train? Yeah. I know. I, I've heard. I've heard of it. The guy from. Uh, the guy who played Juggernaut, right? He's like the the main guy or whatever. Yeah. That's who. That's that's who that that's who that actor is to you, Juggernaut. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, he's also in all those like uh, Guy Ritchie movies. Yeah, the Guy Ritchie. He's thing. always bullet yeah, 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 yeah. He's bullet yeah. telling it to me. So <laughs> like, it was, it was. So it's kind of funny that you said Juggernaut. I was like, oh. I just remember it was Juggernaut. I'm Juggernaut, bitch. Bulletooth Tony. Bulletooth Tony. Isn't he also the mountain? The hound? No, 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 no. no, no, no. It's someone else. Someone no, else. No. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the Yarp. No, that's that's the hound. That's the hound. Yeah, yeah. That's the hound from Huffas. Huffas. So the Cenobites, also known as the Order of the Gash, are extra-dimensional beings who exist in an extra-dimensional realm, and are present in Clyde Barker's writings that you already spoke about, Hellbound Heart. Scarlet Gospel, and then they're also present in 11 Hellraiser films. 11, bro. Fucking 11. They are also mentioned in passing in the novel Weave World. Who, and the character in that, in that uh, book calls, uh, calls them the Surgeons. They can reach Earth's reality only through a schism in time and space, which is opened and closed using certain unearthly artifacts. The most common known of these artifacts is the puzzle box called the Lament Configuration. The Cenobites vary in number, appearance, and motivation depending on the medium in which they appear. The involvement of multiple parties in the production of Hellraiser films and and comics have led to varying consistency regarding the canonical aspects of their philosophies and abilities. So in the first one, they're kind of like immoral, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they really come off as evil, besides the way they look. Yeah, they're 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 literally the they're focused. I wouldn't say antiheroes, but I guess an antihero. But yeah, but you're right. Yeah. They they are immoral. They're not good or bad. Yeah, they're just centered. And I feel like after probably three, they try to make them more. That's when they get the villains. I, I think that's when they get the Christianized, and you see them being like the devil mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. All that, shit. but in the first two movies, you said it. they're they're just they're just these weird, horny space like interdimensional like butchers, <laughs> scientists. I mean, <laughs> fucking yeah, explorers, explorers. Like yeah. <laughs> also, fun fact. I mean, I mean, not a fun fact. I just thought it was fucking cool. In the last, in in, in the new, in, in the latest Hellraiser movie, the one in the Hulu, in the Hulu, when the movie starts, um, when when you when they first introduce you to the puzzle box in the center. In the beginning, during the party, some guy walks in and he's and he looks around and it's a whole torture room, and you don't piece it together. You just think it's like a you know, you just think it's like a room with a bunch of like pillars and it has like art like little art installations. But if you know what they are, you're like, oh, he's in a fucking torture room because in one of the in in cases, well, one of the instruments that's encased is the pair. Which is this? Oh, which is this old? Okay. Yeah, which is like this old medieval fucking um, um, torture device, which they would stick in your butt or whatever. Any <laughs> any hole you have, and they'll just spin it and just spin it. It'll just start opening up inside mm. you. And that, that was one of the things that's encased in, in this room. So when you when you originally see the movie, you're like, oh, it's just a bunch of fancy room. And then you, but when you finally realize what those fucking things are, you're like, oh, this is not a cool room to be in. <laughs> Yeah, my bad. I just wanted to vomit that out. The Cenobites all have horrific mutilations and or body piercings and wear fetishistic black leather clothing. Except in the in the remake, right? It was more like skin. Yeah, it looked more like Yeah, it's all skin. Also, another fun fact. Uh-huh. The pinhead, her skin is scarred to look 
like Pinhead's original costume from the first movie. Yeah. So if you look at the scar, the way his oh, scars are, it's the it's the design kind of. It's the design, the jacket that Pinhead that that sexy as Matrix coat he had on. Their their clothing often resembles butchery garments or religious vestments. The clothing also serves to support their piercings and tools, which you know you see uh, Pinhead have like a bunch of like butcher tools. Yeah, he had the, they they literally look like they have butcher aprons on. Yeah, like something like Pinhead has a butcher cape. Like this apron. Like he's like the master butcher's apron, which is sick. This is a little bit of what you touched on. The religious aspects of their origins and motivations are ambiguous despite the presence of the word hell in the franchise. There is no overt reference or iconography linking the Cenobites to any traditional depiction of damnation, demonic torture, or infernal origin. Leaving the most likely interpretation to be that an outside observer, the bizarre and unpleasant properties of the Cenobites' native plane of existence would likely be interpreted to be hell or hellish. That is true, but to take it to the comics. And Fernando, you might touch upon it later, but then if you we'll, we'll, if you don't, we'll get to it. But in the comics, they are literally heralded as a, a like a heavenly deity. But more on that later. Nice. But that's where they, like, yeah. But that's I'm telling you, that's that amb- that ambig- ambiguity that the first two movies have. I think is what is what made Hellraiser Hellraiser. Like they're not evil. Just they. I mean, they sure this dude who's in black that's gonna kill you and <laughs> has pins all over his head. He's not evil. Like yes, he's gonna make you die forever, but he's not evil. And it's like this weird contradiction. You're like it's like this. It's like this. You're doing this. You do. You have like this internal battle trying to figure out what they are. You're like he looks evil. He's doing evil shit. But he's not necessarily the bad guy, which the, is the bad guy in the first movie was Uncle Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's that guy was a piece of shit. Let's be honest here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I want to talk about their powers and abilities, uh, which can vary depending on the films. Like in Hellbound, which is Hellraiser two, which is another thing. I don't know if any of you guys know the answer to this. I don't know the answer. The the novel that it's based on is called The Hellbound Heart. Mm-hmm. Why did they go with Hellraiser as the movie title? I, something I read um, in the book was like they didn't want it to sound kind of like uh, very ambiguous as to it being like Hellbound Heart. It sounds kind of like maybe it didn't put the right emotion as far as being like dark, but like Hellraiser, like that sounds. Oh yeah, Hellraiser sounds sick. But it I mean, does. But yeah. it has the word hell in it. Yeah, but Hellbound Heart does too. But it sounds like a like a romance novel a little bit, no? Kind of like, like a tortured kind of romance yeah. thing. You made me sound stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you just rebutted the fuck out of me. I love you. Hey, so in Hellbound Hellraiser 2, when the configuration was solved, they caused the rooms they manifested in to take on the stonework and cyclopean properties of their native realm, the Labyrinth. They all appear to be telekinetic to a degree, able to control the hooked chains that are their trademark weapon of choice, as well as snatch small objects at a distance. Though not entirely confirmed, they seem to be able to summon forth their chains from any nearby shadows. They each seem to possess great strength, heightened resistance to damage, and some degree of supernatural empathy. They also tend to be patient, logical, and discerning. See? They're not that bad. <laughs> yeah, they just, you know, they'll just fucking butcher you from out of nowhere with these chains that would come literally out of nowhere they, they always come out of frame they always come out of the dark and they just come straight for the nipples 
but they're I know like I notice they're very patient. Like if you try to talk to them, they'll listen to you. They won't just be like, "Ah, fuck you." They'll entertain to see what you're saying. Yeah, they'll be like, well, "Time out." Okay, we gotta say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they take their time. They're walking. They're like, "I got forever." Like I'm on. It's you know like they're milking the clock. They're like, you know, I get you know I, <laughs> I get paid for the I get paid by the hour, not by the body. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm walking. They're just chilling. They're just taking their sweet ass time. Cause I mean I don't blame them when they're not on earth fucking people up. They're back in the labyrinth and that shit doesn't look that cool. Yeah, it looks like it's hot. It's just rocks <laughs> everywhere. Like and your and then your boss is like this big ass fucking fucking butt plug. You're like it's like it's like fuck this. There's definitely no AC and no Wi-Fi. Nope. In the labyrinth. Uh, that that's that's. That's you're out right I'm, there. I'm, you're I'm, out. No yeah. Wi-Fi. No AC. The AC. I'm starting. I'm starting. You know. I'm getting up there in age. My bones starting to hurt. So it, it's not as important to me. But Wi-Fi. Mm. Like get the fuck out of here. Like fuck these roaming charges, bro. So now I'm gonna talk about the certain centibytes. There was a shit ton of them. I thought there was gonna be maybe like. I thought it was just the original squad. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe like six, eight, something like that. Now there's a shit ton. But it's because of the comic books and different medium that they, you know, appear in. First of all, we all know him. We all love him. You just talked about him, Pinhead. He's got a lot of cool nicknames. The Hell Priest. The Dark Prince of Pain. The Black Pope of Hell. Also known as just the lead Cenobite. He, I don't think he's, is he ever called Pinhead in any of the movies? No. So. All right. So here's a fun fact that when they were filming the movie, he had like there's they don't have any names, right? They 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 don't have like he's not like oh Mister Hellraiser, no he has no name. There's nothing to go call them by. So when the costume designers when they were talking about the Cenobites and they were trying to figure out who's who, they just kept calling them Pinhead, like oh this is Pinhead's cake, this is Pinhead, and Clive Barker actually got mad. He's like, why do you guys call him Pinhead? And they kind of looked at him like, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? Why, why, why are we calling the guy with pins on his head Pinhead? He thought they were making fun of his character. He's like, you bitches. And then as as they kept calling it, he's like, no, nah, you know like that. For, he's like, for some reason it fits. No <laughs> shit. No shit. And that's how you market it, right? Like you can't make like, what the fuck? You can't make like action figures or like statues of like something called the Dark Prince of Pain. I you mean, even, give him a name. I mean, you have Ozzy, which is the Dark Dark Prince, but that's Ozzy. Yeah, he's earned that. So Pinhead was once a human known as Elliot Spencer, who was born in England during the Victorian era. You like Victorian shit, Moses? Yeah, but in 1887, as a young adult, he would join the British Army and later serve in France during World War One. This dude paid his dues. I'm not going to go too deep into their histories because there's so much There's so much. We could literally spend an episode per fucking Cenobite. Yeah. I was, you know, I was planning to give a little more, but then when I started reading up on it, I was like, nah, <laughs> y'all can do the research if you so. And they try to f- watch the movies. No, do the research. Don't watch, <laughs> the, <movies. laughs> Don't watch the movies. They're not. Unless you already own them, uh-huh. which if you do, shame on you. Like, if you own. I'll. One, two, and three, okay. Four, you're pushing it. Wow. But if you own five, and unless it was like a collector's box and you got an offer up for like $10, <laughs> cool. Yeah, but if you if you went out of your way and bought them with your hard-earned money at FYE or Blockbuster, cause then, you know, 
I don't want to say. A little off topic here, but I went to FYE recently. They don't even have like fucking DVDs there anymore. What do they offer? Just like well, because back then, that, well, yeah. FYE stands for for your entertainment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, during our days, that was our entertainment DVDs. Now it's like fucking pop, fucking pop figures and vinyls and okay. T-shirts okay. and yep. stupid ass fucking eighty dollar knickknacks. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like they have a whole section that just dedicated to anime, like a huge fucking wall, another wall of just Funko Pops, and like little like. Those are all the stores at the mall now. Yeah, like it doesn't differentiate it from like uh, box lunch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, box lunch, and then there's Hot Topic still. I used to go to Fye to get deals on fucking used DVDs and shit. Remember when you bought all the Universal Monster movies? There? Yeah, all the remember remember when we tried remember remember when we thought it was a good idea. Let's watch all the Dragon Ball Z fucking. All, let's start watching all the Dragon Ball Z anime. We bought like six seasons. We watched two episodes, two DVDs, and we're like, "Yeah, we're done." <laughs> anyway, back on topic. And then uh, I picked the, <laughs> I picked this one just based on the name you 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 mentioned her recently, Deep Throat. That was the name. That is the name of the Cenobite. She was once a beautiful, a very beautiful woman before she discovered the forbidden temptation of the puzzle box. Well, I thought she was before the the beautiful temptation of sucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> Sensing her worth, she was transformed into a Cenobite and eventually rose to the exalted position of High Priestess of Hell. Deep Throat is a member of the Gash. Well, so she's part of the, the I guess, the original crew. That's what they're called? Like yeah. the, from the first movie, mm-hmm. like uh, so, Pinhead and Butterball. All of this lore, the Gash, the art, whatever, you find this out later on in the other movies. Because eventually you find out that there is a whole hierarchy of Cenobite. It's like a fucking man. It's like a fucking manager. It's like a management office. Mm-hmm. There's supervisor fucking Cenobites. There's team lead supervised. Then there's shift Cenobite supervisors. You're just like, what the fuck? Like Pinhead? Like Pinhead? He is the lead. He's the. the, the imagine if the universe is Target. Oh, fuck. Pinhead is flashbacks. the. Pinhead is. His shift's team lead. Oh. And the and the, the the little squad he has, that's his shift. That's the gash. Mm-hmm. Right? He they're not the only crew. He's not the only team lead. He's not even a manager. He's not even the night shift. He's a team lead. Like eventually that's eventually he goes up in the ranks. You find out that God is in on this whole he's in on this whole thing and he knows what they're doing. And eventually, he's like, all right, Pinhead, you are doing too much. I can't send you to hell because your horny ass is going to like it. So in order for me to punish you, I'm going to do the unfucking-thinkable, and I'm going to make you a man. Not only am I going to make you a man, I'll make you a poor white man. And then he resurrects him as a bum, and Clive Parker and Doug Bradley character comes out of a fucking bridge or some shit. He just looks at the sky. He's like, no! But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no HR, man. There's no HR Cenobite. There isn't. The next Cenobite is one that has not only been in the original films, but was also in the Hulu reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it. Is, all right. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Chatterer. That's my, that, that's my, that's the scariest looking one. That's the creepiest motherfucker. He's also known as the Blind Sadist. Also known as the Angel of Suffering. 
I I I wrote down a little bit of his backstory because I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, as a pre-teenage boy, Chatter was known as Jim. He frames his mother for the murder of his abusive father and is sent to an orphanage, where he and the other adolescents are taught that they will be useless to society. There, he engages in a relationship with a boy named Seth and regularly prays, prays to the God of love for affection and then he becomes a prostitute. Yes, he becomes a prostitute. And his physical appearance would often be uh, complimented by his clients to his disgust. On one day, one of the clients asked him what his deepest desire is. And to which he replied, to be loved. Don't we all? Later, he is asked again by the client what his, what his desire is. This time replying, to be ugly. He got what he asked for. Believing that people would love him for who he is if he was ugly. The client hands him a lament configuration and he begins to serve who he is told is the god of pain and desire. So that's how he became a sinner. Fuck him. I used to like him. <laughs> Fuck him. First of all, I want to be loved. That's such a prostitute thing to say. <laughs> that is such a prostitute thing to say. I, there's no, there's no, there's not that. All right. Secondly. Was he a boy prostitute? Yeah, a boy prostitute. So he was so, so he was hooking while he was still a little kid. No, no, no. That was later on in life. All right. I all don't right. know what age. I would say, like, right. you know, right. legal age. But, hopefully, but he was he was a good looking guy. Yeah, and he was so good looking that he thought, oh, people only like me for my dick and the way I look, and not for what I have to offer. Yeah. I wish I had that problem. <laughs> I'm the opposite. You're the opposite? Yeah, people don't like me because of the way I look and my dick game. But this guy, so this guy has pretty privilege. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, you know what? I want to be ugly because I want people to love me for who I am. Fuck you. This is why, why, one of the this is why you don't like backstory. Right? Foxy. <laughs> God, you just ruined him for me, man. God Speaking of backstory, this next Cenobite has none of it. So Butterball is an obese Cenobite and appears as a follower of Pinhead in the movies. He originally appeared in Hellraiser, and despite the fact that he was absent in the Hellbound Heart, the novel, uh, this is his backstory. I shit you not. Laszlo was an obese and perverted man who found pleasure in sin. That's it. His name's he even has a fat guy named Laszlo. 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 You know who? You know what? I'm gonna give him a backstory. Do you guys remember Little Nicky? Yeah. yeah. Do you guys remember um, um, the comedian in the in the beginning who's who's watching the lady get undressed? Yeah, the one yeah. that gets fucked by the horny uh, by the horny bird. Yeah, that's Laszlo. That's Laszlo. That's Laszlo. Okay, there's one called the face, which I I thought was pretty interesting, and that, it was also known as Lon Chaney. If you guys know who Lon Chaney is. I know who Dick Cheney is. No, Lon Chaney. And that's a fucking Cenobite. That's a that's a real life. That was a real life Cenobite. So he was like a character actor from like the fifties. Whenever the no, not the fifties. Is it the thirties? Whenever those uh, Universal Monster movies came out. Okay, oh, okay. so the thirties, yeah. And that's what he was known for. So that's why, because he has many faces. So this Cenobite had a large collection of human faces that he staples onto his own head. He was also a thespian, and he ran his own grand theater in hell. So this motherfucker had a theater in hell where he would have plays and shit. He's a theater kid? Yes, he's a <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> hell theater kid. Okay. All theater kids are seen up. Fuck. Hold on. But it wasn't like plays or anything like that. It was where he showed the public torment. 
Doomed to never know the immortality of his precious silver screen, the diabolic actor instead found a small degree of fame in the role of a serial killer before the ex accepting the position of resident thespian in the ranks of the Cenobites. Now his deathlessness is ensured, although the only thing silver about his gleam about about him is the gleam of instruments in which he peels back the flesh around his victims' skulls. I'm trying to picture. I'm trying to picture which one he was. I don't really know. I, I'm assuming he's one of the later movies. Yeah, because he's all right. Yeah, cause was, all right. He's not all right. Yeah, you're right. And then I picked this one. This is the last one I'm going to speak of. His name is Baron, and I I was reading up on it, and the only reason I picked it was because of you. And then the last episode we did, you went on an insane rant about. <laughs> So Baron is a mysterious Cenobite who has been around at least since the 15th century, as he was first mentioned in the personal diary of the notorious child killer, Gil de Rey. Baron was the Cenobite who helped Philip Le Marchand create the lament configuration and perhaps other puzzle boxes. Mm. So he's like, he's like, he predates like all the other Cenobites that we know so far, right? Yeah. 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 So he's a, yeah. So he's, so for, those of you that don't know, go read up on Gilderay. I'm not going to go into the usual 45-minute spiel I usually go into. If you listen to my other podcast, you guys know exactly whatever. But for those of you that do not know, go read up on Gilderay. It's a fascinating story. And Baron is the demon that convinces Gilderay to kill children, hmm. which is Wild that he's a Cenobite. So technically, Gil Ray's canon. He's, he's, he's Clyde Barker canon now. Mm -hmm. All right. And then I, I saw this, and I like it was a little wacky. This is not a real, like a, a Cenobite or whatever. But there is a theory that Candyman is a Cenobite. Ooh. So both stories, Hellraiser and Candyman, are based off works by Clyde Barker. Each character only causes mayhem when they are summoned. To top it off, they all know after their deaths, they all they know after their deaths are pain and pleasure. While Candyman has similarities to Cenobites, it would probably be more like Cenob like Candyman is an agent of another section of hell. Movie version-wise, Cenobites are mostly people who went into hell willingly or were pinhead craft projects, so people he chose. Candyman here has a bit more sympathetic death but he could have been offered the job by Leviathan with his entry based on his belief. Story-wise, Candyman is generally is still a thing that is summoned into the world by belief, and in the Hellbound Heart, Kirsty wonders if there are other portals into Hell, so it's not too far-fetched an idea. Mm. He just doesn't have, like, the... Like, if he was wearing, like, leather, like a leather coat, because you know how he has that, like, he has a trench coat. coat yeah, like yeah. for a trench coat, if it was like leather, I would buy it into it more or whatever. But that's a little theory. <clears throat> I don't know. Like I feel like they got a little lazy when it came to the black Cenobite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, those are some of the old, from the original ones. And did you guys like the new Cenobites from the from the newest installment from the, the Hulu version? I like I like their look, the aesthetic. I don't think it fits into the. They were all useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't think it fit into like the whole. What what was those two words that uh, Clyde Barker said? Something. Um, oh, oh, something glamour, something glamour, repulsive glamour. 
Repulsive glamour. They don't have that aspect to them. I think a few did. Oh, hmm? a few did. So, so the first. So obviously we have the new pinhead. Yeah. Right. I liked her. I thought that those were huge, huge, huge fucking shoes to fill, mm-hmm. and I liked what she did with her. I was I was I was a little scared that that she might have been more more animated, but I like you know that she still stayed that stoic. But if you want to pick, you know, there's a lot of people like oh. the first thing I heard about when they when they saw it is like, why do you got to make her into a girl? La la la. Well, first of all, no none of the Cenobites are given a gender. Yeah, they're they're never called he or she, and we already know that. From from the ending of spoiler alert, I'm sorry here. They have no dicks, right? No, as far no. as we know, yeah. No, no dick or titties. No dick or titties. <laughs> and then she actually talks the way uh, Pinhead's supposed to uh, talks in the in um, Hellbound Heart. You know, she sounds like fucking Voldemort. So off the bat, I liked her. Also, liked- also pretty cool that. This is the first time any like horror icon has been recast, like as a woman. I mean, you can't really do that with a lot of them. That's pretty cool. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh. You know the cinemites, the cinemites that that aesthetic looks like the, in the new one. This a lot like her, the Fifth Element, the, fifth the element. opera singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like it, it reminds me of that, but just white. Where it's it's not yeah it, it, yeah it's a different look aesthetic. I, f- I feel Pinhead's, you know, his his shift, his target shift, his, his little rugrats, they were more mutilated, like skin mutilation. And this needs Pinhead's little, you know, little group. They're more like body mutilations. Because, like, all right, so the first one we have the Gasp, which is um, the one that... The one that looked Asian. <laughs> okay. You know the one with the with the pins. The one who had who, her her that arc thing. On yes. Yeah, yeah. The the arc thing. You know her appearance. She's technically supposed to be two Cenobites into one. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be Deep Throat and Angelique. Angelique. She's from Bloodline. She's from um. She's from Bloodline. And um, like so they combine both of those into one, and that's the gasp. That one looks. That one just looks weird. They just. I don't know. I didn't find that one too. That, that one was okay. I think they just. I think it was just too much mm-hmm. as a Cenobite. Like, like they gave her a whole helmet. Like, uh, just say she was. I wasn't sexy. a fan of. I just wasn't a fan of her. I like. She had nice thighs though. <laughs> she had nice thighs. I wasn't a fan of her. The one I liked the most was the Weeper. The okay. Weeper was the was the blue one. The one who had black coming out of um um. Out of her eyes, the one who stretched out its arms and its hands split open. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's the Weeper, right? I think that's my favorite one, and that's another one that's that kind of resembles that whole body. That what was it called? Glamour, repulsive glamour, repulsive glamour. There's that one, and there's the, the Asphyx, which is the one that got stuck on the gate. Was that the wheezing one? Yeah, the one who had the one whose face was covered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one who had the praying arms. Remember how she had praying arms yeah, yeah. and then she got loose. And then we had the mask, which is the one where Jim Carrey. 
the one where it's just a flat. You only see him for a split second. He had a flat face. Mm-hmm. There's that one. The one that looked the coolest. The one that I wish had more, a little more screen time, which is the one they're calling the mother. The one where the boy, the brother's boyfriend's running away from from the gas when he goes to the and he's going through the statues and then that pregnant lady comes out. That one looks sick as fuck. And that one, to me, I was getting Virgin Mary vibes. Oh. Cause she she had the whole veil kind of thing. Yeah, the whole veil and she was pregnant. Like, oh, she's gonna give birth to like a little Ceno baby. <laughs> okay. You know, so you know, those those were the new Cenobites. And uh, I liked them. You thought it was kind of a cop out. I thought it was kind of cool. I didn't mind seeing Cenobite on Cenobite crime. And even Pinhead, she smiled a little bit when fucking Riley stabbed um, Chatter. Chatterer. Chatter, when he stabbed Chatterer. And he kind of accepted his fate. He's just like, oh, fuck. And he kind of just stepped back. He's like, all right, go do me. She's. Pinhead smiled. She had a little smirk. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was like, you bitch. You loophole the fuck out of this one. Fuck you. But she's like, you got to do what you got to do. And then she ripped the chatter to box, to box, to shreds, which is a good thing. Because fuck that pretty boy prostitute. <laughs> she said, clock out. <sighs> good shit. For the Cenobites, um, I did want to talk about the differences between... Um, some of the difference between the, the book and the movie Cenobites. Um, as Moses had mentioned that, yes, Pinhead was supposed to be a more uh, feminine character. And I guess the, the way they described her voice is more girlish, high tone. Yeah, like she had like said. a high tone. Yeah. The the puzzle box, uh, the people that, has, that saw the puzzle box in the book were meant, were more so uh, chasing. Um, they, they, they believed that the puzzle box held like a dark secret or held like powers that, that would give them a... a that would solve their, their, dark, their darkest desire. Yeah, kind of thing. So that was that was a huge difference between this this new one too, because you know the originally only the most depraved and sick minded individuals sought out this Pandora's box of fucking pleasure, which yeah. is what we end up finding out is the puzzle box, and and, and it's this thing where it's only the sick minded that go after them but in this one it's just like it's free game it's just like whoever whoever gets cut is getting whoever gets cut is getting got which which I found was kind of interesting but yeah sorry my bad I just want to oh, yeah. and like you mentioned a, a pinhead uh, in the in the book version like the the whole pins on her on its head its face uh, they were in the new Hulu movie they're more true to what the book had described it as as being more jeweled type of pins and I I think I read that in the, in the books, the Cenobites were more more talkative. And like you said, I, I, it kind of makes sense of how you said that. And for in the movie, Clyde Barker was asking Pinhead to do less and less. But I think in the in the movie, in the books, they were a little more yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the later movies have have the, so the so in the later movies, Pinhead. When they get their backstory and then they get humanized and all this fucking caca bullshit, they start making zingers, start doing jokes, and start having these huge speeches, which are pretty fucking cool. But then they, Pinhead loses, he loses his stoicness or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he talk, but he does talk a lot. And in the and in the book, he that's 
that's it's more yeah it's more it's just more true to character you know except you know they just don't go all nightmare on elm street funny where they start making like one-liners like oh you want to see god i'll show you god and then, he, and then he fucking laughs like what the fuck shitty ass fucking freddy joke piece of shit oh and um another aspect about the cenobites that's how uh, what I want to touch on is like how they're created in the and how they're chosen or how they're made. Whenever someone opens the lament configuration and they um, and they activate and they call the Cenobites, um, they at that point they kind of what it, they do kind of like choose the person to see if they're either going to become a Cenobite if they're the kind of that depraved, sick mind that would fit the the role of a Cenobite or they'll just be tortured. They'll just be one of the Lost souls that are just fucking in the lament configuration. So it's like a job interview? Yeah. They're like, army so, recruiters? Oh, let me see if this guy will cut it. <laughs> um, and when they're chosen to be a Cenobite, they are, they they do have um, body, they're, they're, they're disfigured and have body modifications that are, that are done by Leviathan. Or in the second movie where that fucking doctor when she he gets lured into the fucking uh, realm by the fucking what's her name well cause yeah cause he's seeking out he's yeah. seeking out this other dimension so when he goes into that box and that fucking dick goes onto his head and shit like Leviathan was choosing how he was gonna be and the, so Leviathan is the one that kind of modifies each centibite to show their, their purpose or you she, are now dickhead dickhead <laughs> And that fucking doctor was cool. Like, I like the the whole fucking the mechanical... His, yeah, the tentacle thing. Yeah, the, the fucking... All utensils that came out of his fucking utility fucking finger hands and shit. They are sort of like the clerics of the Leviathan that interact with those who um, who open the, the lament configuration and convert them and torture those who solve the puzzle. Uh, they... And when they become a Cenobite, they do tend to lose their human memories. They forget who they were in the past. That's true, that's true. We find that out with, with Pinhead later on. Um, the Lament configuration um, uh, is what the, the puzzle box is, the Lament configuration. Uh, it was named after Philip Le Marchand, uh, who was an 18th searching ar- architect that, Gild, I guess, um, was it Gilderay that had helped yeah. kind of inspire the... To Bar- make the Baron, Le- Baron, the, Baron, Baron, yeah. the demon Baron. And that's kind of reminiscent to the devil's Bible, how it was the devil that kind of helped this priest or this um this monk write this huge devil's Bible. And like I don't know, like I feel like Clive Barker, he's pulling ref like obscure references, and he's and like he's and it's like the help, like the the references, his references. Are f- they're just full of lore? So when you're when you kind of know the things he's talking about, you see how rich of lore the Hellraiser really is. Like I didn't man- I-, I didn't realize he had the Baron. Then when you look into Baron, you realize there's all this shit with the Hell Guild Array, and then you Baron helped this dude co- actually come up with the fucking Lamont configuration. <laughs> configuration. It's just it's fucking cr- it's fucking crazy, and he did this before the internet. <laughs> as far as the Lament configuration, what I read is that it um, it would help inspire uh, Philip Le Marchand to make the Lament configuration was the the box of sorrows that and um, was point of inspiration that kind of helped bring that about. 
Um, when he created the living configuration, there was he, like in one of the movies they explained how he was like seeking out all these uh, like cryptic designs or just like um, dark designs and putting them into the box. And um, what was it? It's I think it's called sacred geometry. Sacred geometry, yeah, yeah. Where it was those those weird angles that somehow tell you what God who God is? You're like. What? What? Why? How does? How is this obtuse? Gonna <laughs> tell me who God is? Like I don't get it. That's probably what why Leviathan is shaped like a fucking crystal from Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know. It might be the angles. Chaos Emerald. Yeah, Chaos Emerald. Like, like what is this Infinity Stone? Like why is he? Like uh, that? That bummed me out. That it, that it's the, uh, Leviathan that it, is just a. It's just a, a fucking butt plug. Like. Uh-huh. Go on, Fernando. <laughs> uh, and the Lament configuration, like uh, Lewis had mentioned, it is a key that creates a bridge between the Hellraiser dimension and Earth and allows the Celebites to actually travel between these dimensions. Um, it's an artifact that can be uh, used, but it's it's not unique to just being a, a bo- puzzle box. Um, in some of the comics, you do mention that as far as the the kind of mechanic you can use to call by the Cenobites can either be something as like simple as a crossword puzzle or even um, a game of Russian roulette. Like, just that whole, just in the comics themselves, that simple fucking trying to kill yourself and not doing it calls the Cenobites forth to you, towards you. And it's just, it's essentially, it's just a... I don't know. It's, it, it, the way I would describe it is kind of like a... a, a a conscious effort that you make, that you choose either to pursue certain aspects, and then that calls them forth to you. It it can be the puzzle box, but like it's it's cool that I don't know. It's it's just weird that the lament like something like that. Um, it, no, but like I get like it's 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 crazy, and it kind of gives this narrative that the Cenobites are just they're always. Looking out for blood. It's like a blood. It's like blood in the water. Like the second they smell it, they're on it. You know, it's, it's kind of like sharks. Like, like I see the second they smell blood, they go directly to it. And I think that's what Cenobites. I think that's what the Cenobites kind of do. They kind of. I don't know if it's somewhere. I don't know if it's like a negative emotion or like this a negative despair or melancholy. But it's always troubled people that you know that Cenobites always come to, and it's always at the worst fucking like point in their lives where the Cenobites are like. All right, I'm here. What do you want? And it's a crazy thing too that you mentioned it, um, you know, before we started recording that the Cenobites have a lot in common with jinns. Yeah, which is not a, a similarity that I had put that I had seen until you mentioned it, and I was like, "You are fucking right," because they're supposed to, they're supposed to give you when you solve the puzzle box. What do you want? Pleasure forever? And you're like, yes, 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 like. Like I want to come for always. You're like, okay, here are chains that are gonna that I'm gonna sew into your back forever. You're like, this is not at all what I asked, and he's like, that's what I'm giving you. That's like some gin shit. <laughs> um, as, well, the lament configuration. It's just that one puzzle box that you see in the in the first few movies, and there's actually different puzzle boxes that have different names associated to them. The other ones that I uh, that I read a little bit about, um, just to get their names aboard, like another one is the Hollow Heart, that's featured in one of the other movies. There's also the Triumph of Judas, and they have like just a different design shape to them. 
uh, once um, any of, of those are solved or once you activate them, um, uh, a bell can be heard and the Cenobites would emerge and take whoever solved it to hell to either choose them to become a Cenobite or to just damn them forever. So it's like a dinner bell. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's it's that Metallica for whom the bell tolls like thing. That, oh my God. I'll be, so, I'll be mad as fuck if that's what I hear if I'm about to die. <laughs> like, God damn it. But why is this song like, it's a cool song but you're like, I don't want to die to a sick song. Like, it's going to bum me out. But that's another, but that's, that's another difference that they made between the original Hellraiser and the new Hellraiser was in the original Hellraiser, you solved it once and Cenobites come, you know, they fucking pierce your nipples and then you're gone forever. And, and then that was it. And fucking in this one, like you solve it once, you're like, all right, bitch, you got five more times. And, and like, we're going to keep after you. We're going to keep coming after you until, you know, we get six, you know, six lives or whatever. So that's like, it's, like they just they they just made it harder. Like you ramped it up. And uh, lastly, what I do want to talk about is a little more about uh, Pinhead, uh, the backstory behind him. Um, you mentioned he was a British soldier. Um, he was a soldier in World War One. Um, he was a captain, if I recall. Um, after the war, uh, he had survived, and he was suffering like PTSD. He was survivor skill type of thing. He kind of wanted to die with those that um, he left behind. And that kind of changed. Like, he lost his whole aspect of seeing the positive of, human, of humanity. And that's when he started seeking out the depravity. And that's what led him to the Lament configuration. And eventually, well, he became Pinhead. He became the Night Shift um, Tumweed <laughs> at, at, at Hell Target. Uh, he, uh, what, what, uh, <laughs> um, he, um, once he became Pinhead, uh, uh, pain, he, like, he was embodying, like, the kind of aspect that uh, pain is necessary for those who deserve it. And exactly that's what he would do. Like, in the first two movies, uh, he only went after those who op- opened the puzzle box. But even, like, when Christy opened it, um, she wasn't really the one who did it willingly. And he was kind of, like, following the rules. And when she filmed, like, told him about Frank, like... He wanted to go after Frank because he was a deviant. He broke the rules and kind of going after him. Um, and as kind of the powers you had mentioned as far as what he could do and what the other um, Cenobites could do, it kind of did. Um, they was um, uh, kind of, they had acts like it seemed like they had telekinesis where they were calling forth the chains. Um, uh matter manipulation where they were like just convert yeah like literally the walls will open up the gate the 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 passages will open up um they had some sort of telepathy where they could um see like read or f- know what was the thing that would the your deepest like yeah, yeah, yeah. what the fucking mess you're up is 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 this the first in this newest installment is this the first time we actually see pinhead use the pins on his head yeah, yeah, I think so. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you came into the movie a little late, but one of the friends, uh, when they get captured, the pinhead, she takes the pin out of her head, and it's a long, it's 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 long as shit, dude. I thought it was gonna be like a little like nuts sewing. It's like fucking four inches, 
she takes out this pin and um she has this well like one of the friends chained up and she's laying like she's chained up with her like so the back is so i'm pinhead and this person's back is facing me but her head is being pulled back so pinhead grabs the pin and sticks it from one side of her neck to the other but the cool thing is in the movie spoilers is that the is that the view of that is coming from inside the throat. So you can see her larynx and everything. And you can see the needle pierce all of the flesh. Go from one side of the neck to the other. And she like she's fucking with her. She's like, oh, I can make you feel. The body is meant to feel a lot more than this. And you're going to feel this forever. Holy shit. And I was like, that fucking finally Pinhead uses his fucking pin. You're called Pinhead. Not fucking Chainhead. Use your pins. I thought he was going to be like hold like hold his breath and all this spins his pins will fucking fly out like he was a pokemon like he's using needle like a needle attack or some shit like no nah, but this Puffer shit. yeah yeah it's like he just hold his breath and just blow up and needles fly everywhere he never did that but this pinhead she's like you know what let me show you what i'm about and she used the pins on her head and stabbed the bitch i was like yes that's what you yes. wanted to see like, okay and to touch back at, at uh what you had mentioned and uh some of the uh as far as Pinhead, uh, one aspect of that, um, he is the reincarnation of Sipetotec, uh, who was the Aztec god of rebirth and seasons. And that god, um, apparently, um, who uh, peeled off his, uh, it was a god who peeled off his skin and invented a war and desire for human sacrifices, uh, aside from being, you know, about thing yeah so and it's crazy because in the comics just imagine a buff ass tan pinhead yeah. in aztec garb he still has pins on his head but he's dressed like apocalypto like you know with the little man thong and the little sandals like that's a pocket you know the little fucked up haircut with the plugs like that's pinhead like i was like what the fuck it looks so weird seeing like i was like seeing pinhead dress up like that in my mind i was like I don't like seeing this white dude dressed like this. <laughs> Cultural appropriation. <laughs> but it's like... But he's like sick as fuck. And it's only in the comics, too. And like, uh, yeah. and and, the, and Clive wrote the comics, so it's like, you can't say anything. Like, all right, all right, I guess... I guess fucking... Pinhead Donuts Decline or whatever the fuck. Like, I, I guess he's from... I guess he's Mexican now. Yeah. You know? I guess he's fucking from the <laughs> F.A. Fucking Sinaloa Cartel or some shit. Hey, they made Namor or Namor. Namor. Mexican in in the Marvel movies. Why not Pinhead? You're right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Hey, we need need some representation too. Because how many Mexicans are there in horror movies? Uh, Yeah. Well, it's it's because we pray the horror away. We pray the horror. (laughs) That's why we don't have horror movies. We just go to church and that's it. Like, if you want to make a Mexican horror movie, just make a movie about chanclas. <laughs> make a movie about coming home late without telling your parents you're coming home late. That's a horror movie. Ooh. Ghosts. Dealing with ghosts. And, th- th- that's, and that's an everyday occurrence. What about, I'm talking from experience. What about telling your mom you don't want to eat the food she made? Or, <laughs> oh. You want a horror story? When your mom tells you to wake up for church and you tell her no? <laughs> You've never. That's hard. That's existential horror, bro. Rethink your life. 
Yeah, you're just like, all right, like this this is the day I die. No, yeah. Yeah, but like it's the comics is the comics are crazy and it's and it's from what I was from what I was seeing online, it's not a series in terms of like it's one story. I guess I guess it's kind of like his like little novella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an anthology. So it's like whenever he gets an idea, he would make a comic like, okay. I don't know. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like there's so many different there's so there's so many. I'm telling you. It's like a fucking it's like corporate in hell. Like eventually it all leads all of this culminates to literally fucking Pinhead sitting in Hell's HR office saying, you know what, bro, we gotta let you go. Like, we have too many complaints, you had too many strikes, you know, you gotta go. And like he's in there with like the gov like a Cenobite lawyer. He's literally he's sitting in a chair. And the other guy he has glasses on and he's talking to him and he's like he's just like yeah, dude, like so God's telling him, you know, you gotta go. He's like, you've been fucking up. Hell, you can't go to hell because, you know, you, you know, you, you like it down there too much. You know, you have too much fun. You know, we don't want to punish you. You got to learn. So we're going to send you back to Earth. That's how literally how it ends. It's fucking Doc Bradley wakes up and he's like, I'm human again. No. <laughs> it looks like it was filmed like an iPhone. It looks like it was filmed on a fucking, I was going to say iPhone. I'm not giving that movie that much credit. It was filmed on a fucking Razor phone, bro. It's, I don't know. But the great. You know what we're gonna end the episode? We're gonna stop there. I can rant forever. You guys, you, we're only a few episodes in. You guys know I don't shut the fuck up. But one of the cooler aspects of the later movies is the movies kind of get a little not as good. I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna be nice. I, like I, I'm trying to do this thing where I, if I have nothing, to, I have, if I have nothing nice to say, I'm not gonna say anything. So I'm gonna try to compliment them. One of the cool, one of the crazy, one of the cool things that I like about the not so good space movie because Hellraiser, you know, obviously you got to go to space. You you cannot you cannot be a horror movie franchise and not go to space. But when is Hellraiser going to the hood? That's the last one. He wakes up in the hood. Oh, he, woke, he woke up in the hood. He wake he wakes up in the hood. South Central. <laughs> he he, wake, he woke up under the one of five. <laughs> Fucking. I lost my train of thought. God damn it! No, um, I did. You fucking. <laughs> you know what? We'll just end it there. But yeah, the, oh no, there, there, there you go. Every horror movie franchise has gone to space. Yeah, Hellraiser is is up there with them. Literally, he's up there with them. And like that one. Spoiler alert: This Elon Musk type motherfucker. He builds a fucking um, puzzle box in space. That he tri- that he traps the fucking Cenobites in. You know, he's supposed to be the last relative of Philip Lamarchand. Oh, the, right? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. yeah, so he... It's, Who, Elon Musk or the character in the movie? The character in the movie. <laughs> well, I mean, Elon Musk probably... He probably believes it, too. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, man, this, this Hellraiser series, man, we could go on forever. And, you know, there's so... Like I, like I was mentioning a little earlier, there's so much lore in this fucking movie. Whether it's lore from the characters itself... Or lore from the inspirations of where the movie fucking was birthed. Movie and books and comic books where they were birthed from. Like, it's just so much for you. Like, you go on YouTube right now. And you can pull up a, like, six-hour fucking video on the history of Cenobites. Like, there's, there's, there are hours and hours. That's how 
much this movie has meant to people where they dedicate all this time to. And I wanted, and I've, I've always wondered when things get to this level, like this, like where the fans themselves get disinvested, where they start piecing things together that, that the writer creator didn't have. Like, he, like, like, he was like, dude, I was just horny. I was, you know, Sky Bark is gay. And when you're, when you're gay, you have to love leather. That's just part, like, it's like, when you're gay, like, you suck dick and you like leather. Like, those are the two things, like, those are the two, like, requirements. Those are non-negotiable. <laughs> those are non-negotiable, right? Yeah. And he stayed true to the course, you know, and it's, uh, you, you know, and it's like, that's what, I lost my train of thought again because I went straight, I went straight homo. <laughs> I went straight. But yeah, just watch them, just watch the movies. Do us a favor, try to rub one out. Don't do that. Don't don't be one of those guys. Don't don't be one Mention of those. rubbing one out. Difference in the books and the movies. That was what uh, uh, Uncle Frank did. Instead of the blood bringing him back, it was cum. Oh yeah, well, it was yeah, it was yeah, 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 it was, yeah, it was, yeah. But came back. That's a lot of cum. And I wonder why Clyde Barker didn't use that. That would that would have been more. That would have been grosser. Uh-huh. But no. But then but then there would have been cum demons and then this whole thing. And uh, all right, all right, all right. I can see why you didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, but there you go, guys. That is, um, that is, this is official Hellraiser canon going, we're moving forward. Everything we said is 100% true. It's part, Clive Barker knows it. He, he, he said it's cool with it. You know, um, I want to know, do you guys think this, the, the latest Hulu installment, is it a re, is it a continuation or a remake? I want to say it's a continuation. It's a continuation, but then again, like, why were you gonna continue with, with the remake? You know, with Pinhead again? But like, it's damn if you do, damn if you don't. <laughs> I, I think. You want to call it a remake? No. I think it could be both, but to me, it's more of a a, a reboot. <clears throat> and the simple reason is that the rules change. Okay. From the original Hellraiser, I I haven't watched. I'm gonna make a confession. I haven't watched like the last like I think I only watched one through four, so I can't speak for the other movies. Yeah, the other eighty six. Yeah, so the rules are different in in the in the Hulu. We'll call it the Hulu Hellraiser. Hulu Razor. Hulu, Hulu Razor. Yeah, you know with the lament configuration and she the can, six steps. Yeah, and you, you can use the Cenobites. Yeah, yeah. So it changes the rules up a lot. So I think they made their own like uh, lore to it. They're kind of creating their own thing so they can go on with sequels and you already know the rules. So that's why to me. It's a, it's a reboot. It's a reboot? Yes. I think to me. Yes. I thought it was good. The first hour, you don't need. <laughs> I don't give a shit about backstory when it comes to Hellraiser. Like, I'm not I'm not watching Hellraiser because I want to know why. Like, I don't like I don't need to know that the main character, she's addicted to pills. It has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't like does just give me pinhead. That's all I fucking wanted. I was expecting it to start like that. Like the, like the original did, just fucking sensory overload of just weirdness. And instead, I'm just, I'm fucking, I'm fucking. What is um, I'm I'm just blanking out, bro. I just, I'm. We just gotta end this episode. I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah. So thank you, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Again, watch it, Hellraiser. Tell us, you know, let us know what you guys think. Um, reboot. Re, you know, is it a reboot? Is it a remake? Continuation? I think it's a continuation. I enjoyed it for what it was. Like, is 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 it my favorite one? No. 
I the first Hellraiser to me is the one to beat. This one, obviously, this one by default is a top three, top four maybe, <laughs> like by default. It looks a lot better because it's just a newer. Better but, graphics. Yeah, but we're not gonna put that against you know moment of its time or whatever. But I really enjoyed it. I I liked it a lot. Um, I, like you said, a bunch of new rules. Why can't they just make Leviathan cooler? Man? That's like <laughs> just make him cooler. Like I'll make him cool. Like I don't care if it's like Men in Black, where like you end up opening Leviathan, you see like this little weird little alien inside. Make him do that. That's that, that'll be cooler than just have him be this fucking crystal. Like oh, that just that really pisses me off, man. You have no idea how much that I was like, fuck you. This whole movie is so amazing, and the. The big dude in charge is a fucking math equation, like, symbol. Like, fuck you, dude. Like, Don't lie. When you heard Leviathan being the god, you wanted to see tentacles and shit. Yes! Yeah. Yes! Either that or, like, or like a fall, like a fallen angel or, like, a... Give me something with fangs. Don't give me fucking 90 degree... Don't give me angles. Like, fuck you. Like, man... Sharp corners. Yeah, like, well, fuck you. Man, I'm... Tired of this. Hope you guys enjoy this fucking dumbass episode. Dicks out for Pinhead. Dicks out. <laughs> Thank you guys, and is uh, join us next week as we're gonna continue our um, uh, you know, show. So.